There it goes. All righty. Uh, this evening, I'm going to be speaking about the rapture and also um, with the rapture also is... Uh, <laughs> anyway... <clears throat> Um, of course, the end of the end of times, uh, and also the second coming of the Lord. Um, now, my first point is: When will Jesus come back? Ouch! Pinch myself. And um, it says that the uh, the rapture is an escalation eschatological position held by some Christians, particularly those of American in, in evangelicalism, consisting of an end-time event when all Christian believers who are alive, along with resurrected believers, will rise to meet with the Lord. Eschatological is from the Greek roots word meaning last and study. So basically, it is the study of the end of things. Whether the end of an individual life, the end of an era or an age, or the end of the world. The rapture is the belief and anticipation of the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The word rapture is not found in the scriptures, though. In his first letter to the Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul wrote, that the, war, that the Lord would come down from heaven and a trumpet call will precede the rise of the dead in Christ. After that, those that believe in him will be caught up to meet with them in the sky. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16 and 17, it tells us of this. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then <clears throat> we which are alive in verse 17 and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, belief in the rapture is often connected with the coming of the millennium. We have all heard that the Lord will return to the world someday, and first he will gather up the dead in Christ, then he will also gather up believers that are still alive. We have signs that uh, we see uh, every once in a while traveling around that say he is coming. We have also heard Pastor and Danny say the same things. And there are various places in the Bible that tell us that same thing. Throughout the time from when Jesus was resurrected, many theologians have selected a time when they believe this event would take place. Many have thought that it would be at the end of a century or perhaps at the end of a millennium. Now, I have found a couple passages that say we will not know when these events will happen. And the first is in Mark chapter 13, verse 35. If you would turn with me in your Bibles and read along with me the scriptures which say, Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, 
at even or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning. And the other is in the book of Matthew. I'll give you a chance to turn there. It's chapter 24 and verse 42. I don't want to be going too fast. I tend to do that. Okay. Everybody there? All righty. It says, Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. And people are always trying to figure out the things of God. They rarely, if ever, get them right, though. In the last sermon I had done, I said that there was a person which had said, this surely be the next king of Israel. But they were wrong, because people tend to look at the physical features of a person rather than the heart. We think because they are strong, or perhaps they are good-looking, or that they are going to excuse me, uh, because they are strong or good-looking, that they are going to be the ones selected by God. But we as men see the superficial characteristics of a person, whereas God can see right into their hearts. Now, God can see in a man's heart just as we can see... Excuse me. God can see in a man's heart just as he can see their very DNA. After all, he is our creator. Now, when I was working at the um, for GM, we used a serial number to determine a vehicle's RPO codes, which that stands for a regular production option. And those options tell us what vehicle has for options from the factory, just like a person's DNA tells us all about a person's makeup. Now we know that when God looks at us, he can see our very DNA. And we can change many things about us. We could change our names. We can change, unfortunately, some people change their sex or try to anyway, but their DNA isn't going to be changed. We cannot change the very fabric that makes up our bodies. God knows the many things that we are made of. And also, uh, we see in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36, that the Bible says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And people are always wanting to figure out when the second coming will be. But as we just read, only the Father knows when this will be. And we as Baptists know that there will be a certain signs that will tell us that the end is near. Uh, perhaps there will be a one-world government, or perhaps uh, we have heard that there will be a one-world bank, uh, and people, or that people would have the mark of the devil. And in the book of Revelation... Chapter 13, verse 16, the Bible tells us, And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive the mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. Those who do not have this mark will stand out to those that do, and their faith shall be tested. Now, 
that is just a few of the things. And we come to my second point, which is there will be false prophets. And a false prophet is a person who spreads false teachings or messages while claiming to speak the word of God. In the vault, excuse me, in the Bible, false prophets also spoke on behalf of false gods. False prophets functioned in their prophetic role illegitimately for the purpose of deception. The Bible denounces fake prophets for leading astray those that have been, um, those that are um, Christians. There have been many men also that have claimed to be the Messiah returned to the world. Uh, one of these men I think that you may have heard of was David Koresh. He was the leader of the Branch Davidians. He was also a self-proclaimed prophet that was a former member of the Seventh-day Adventist. He claimed that he would be its last prophet. His ideology ideology involved polygamy and also having sex with underaged girls. He had even told some of the married followers that they were not to have sex with their husbands, but could only have relations with him. And this prompted a couple of the members to report him to the authorities. It is quite obvious to anyone that knows anything about the Bible that if people are sent of God, then they won't be sent to have sex with their followers. Koresh also had amassed a large cache of weapons, which is also something that a true man of God, I don't think, would do. In Matthew 7, excuse me, Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, it tells us to beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Jim Jones is another one of these false prophets who started a non-affiliated religious group that at the time was racially integrated. Later, the group was known as the People's Temple and had become affiliated with the Disciples of Christ. The group had a large following in California and then had built a compound down in British Guyana. Later, members of the press and the U.S. government officials had investigated the group and they were attacked at the airport attempting to leave with some of the members. A few people were killed and others wounded. And in the wake of the shooting, Jim Jones sent orders via radio for members outside the temple to commit suicide. Afterward, Jones enacted his revolutionary suicide plan at his compound. Fruit drinks laced with cyanide, tranquilizers, and sedatives were taken by his followers. Babies and children were first given the drink, and then adults took it afterwards. Jones also had a cache of weapons at the compound. And anyone with any common sense should know that a true follower of Jesus or that the return of Jesus himself is not going to involve a cache of weapons for mem or for members to engage in sexual activities. We know that Jesus does not... <clears throat> is not a uh, prone to things of the flesh. 
It is a shame that people are deceived by these false prophets that claim to be Jesus or one of his followers. It's a shame that, oops, I just read that. We must remember that whenever we hear of things that are supposed to be of God, we must back these claims with the word of God. The Bible is our guide to knowing what God and Jesus have for us and the things and people which in intend to deceive us. Um, also, when I was reading through this, what was it? Oh, there was, uh, I read of a few other people. One man had said that he was not only Jesus, he was Buddha and he was Muhammad. Come on, give me a break. Um, also, uh, there were some people that claimed to be both Jesus and maybe Buddha, or they were only Buddha, or they were Muhammad, or something like that. It's just a bunch of foolishness. Unfortunately, though, people are drawn to these people. I don't know what the um, what the attraction is. Um, Perhaps some people just need something in their lives and they've just never been uh, made aware of uh, the wonderful uh, things of Jesus Christ, um, a promise of eternal salvation and things like that that we are all familiar with. Now, the uh, third point uh, that I have this evening is signs of the second coming. And in the book of Matthew... Uh, chapter 24, verses 6 and or through 8, um, it says, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye not be troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences, and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows, and it would be hard to tell of the second coming by there being a war or wars, for since there is seemed to be a war raging somewhere on earth almost constantly. As we know right now, Russia is invading the Ukraine. Uh, not very long ago, uh, we were at war with... Um, in over in the Middle East, in Afghanistan and Iraq and a few other places. But that alone would make it difficult to tell of the second coming of Christ. The United States has only been a country for 246 years and has averaged a war at least every decade. Uh, in Second Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 4, I'll give you a moment to turn there. The Bible says, knowing this first, that there shall be come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. And these people will say things like, Jesus said he would return. So where is he? He will never come. And another sign will be the Antichrist. 
I'll give you a moment to turn to First uh, John chapter two and verse eighteen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay, and it says there, little children, it is the last time, and as we have heard that the Antichrist will come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. Uh, and again, I will give you time to turn to this. Um, it's Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And of course, while um, while you're turning to that, uh, many of us know of some of the antichrists there have been through um, through time. I believe Caesar was considered an antichrist, and of course, Adolf Hitler was considered an antichrist. Um, I'm not sure if Napoleon was or not, but um, anyway, it's beside the point. Um, and in Second Timothy three verses one through five, we read this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come for men shall be lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, <clears throat> having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, the stars, and there will be a great chaos in the world. People will speak of peace and safety, but destruction will come swiftly upon them. Now, we all know that Jesus was born of a virgin and conceived of the Holy Spirit. It is thought that the Antichrist will be born of a whore by the means of, a, <clears throat> of conception by a diabolical spirit. Now, opinions differ as to whether the Antichrist father will be a man or a demon. In either case, he will be noted as being full of the devil. Now, Jesus was born of the Jews, and they say so will the Antichrist. But Jesus was born of the tribe of Judah, and the Antichrist will be born of the tribe of Dan, the viper in the road, referring to the book of Genesis chapter 49 and verse 17. I'll give you a moment to turn there. And in that chapter, verse 17, we read that Dan shall be a serpent by the way, an adder in the path that biteth the horse heels so that his rider shall fall backward. And they also say that he will be born in Bab Babylon rather than in Bethlehem. 
He will grow up in obscurity like Jesus did and begin to minister in his 30s. He will gain popularity by signs and miracles, but it is supposed miracles will be tricks and not true wonders. Unlike Jesus, he will be hailed and revered by the Jews. During his reign, he will rebuild the temple and sit upon the throne of Solomon and in a sacrilegious and hideous inversion of just priesthood and just kingship. He will turn leaders to his cause and persecute Christians dreadfully. All those who resist his wiles will be tortured. We read this in Matthew 24 and verse 21 where it says, For then shall be great tribulation, such as, was, <clears throat> such as was not from the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. At the end, the Antichrist will be defeated, whereupon, after a short interval, shall come the last judgment at the end of the world. Jesus will return. We can only wait and see what will be. As I have read before, no man knows when that day shall come. Only the Father knows. When that day comes, the world will be in for quite a shock. I don't know if all of you have heard me say this, but I would rather believe in God to find out that he is not than to believe than not to believe and find out that he is. Amen. I saw that on a bumper sticker somewhere. I thought that was rather clever. Uh, and it's true, too. To me, it is. Amen. Where we here in this room uh, know that there is a God and that his only begotten son came to this sin-cursed earth to save sinners such as we are. I believe in God because he has answered prayers of mine. Uh, some of you know that Tracy prayed to him about needing a change, and within 20 minutes, Pastor was knocking on our door. I have heard sermons right here in this very church that have many times have had something to do with the very things that are going on in my life. Now, if you turn to the book of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, we can see that it says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe in me also. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also." When Jesus returns, the elect will be rescued from the non-believers that will be persecuting them. Throughout the Bible, God saves his people in the middle of their tribulations. Uh, the Jews were spared God's wrath when the Egyptians were going through the ten plagues of Egypt. Daniel's faithfulness in his daily prayers caused him to be thrown into the lion's den. And God saved him from his tribulation as it happened. Now, the reason why I put there, um, the next thing is going to be Matthew 24, verses 40 through 41. And while you're turning there, um, 
The reason why um, I had read something that had said that uh, some people thought they would be saved uh, before the tribulations. But as I just read to you, um, many people that have been saved by God or Jesus through um, from their uh, disparities were saved in the middle of their tribulations, not before. I believe it is uh, so that we can see uh, that it is the true spirit of God that is saving us uh, or saving that person and not something uh, of another uh, belief or perhaps one of the um, deceivers that we read about. And in Matthew 24, verses 40 and 41, the Bible says, Then shall be two in the field, the one shall be taken, and the other left. The two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken, and the other shall be left. Now Matthew says <clears throat> that when Jesus comes, it will be like it was in Noah's time. Some people will be saved or left, the others will be destroyed or taken. Uh, more in depth, those who are taken when Jesus comes are those that are lost, taken away and destroyed by the brightness of his coming. Think of it like this. Imagine a flood sweeps through your town. Those who escaped were left by the waters of the flood, while those who, were lo who lost their lives were taken by the water. I believe that is what the uh, Bible is um, showing us there. It is also unlikely that the rapture will occur in our lives. Yes, there is war at this time, but we have not seen anyone doing wonders, or we have not seen a one world bank or a great leader claiming to be Jesus. The world is a mess at the moment, but I believe that just before Christ's return, things will be a great deal worse. On the other hand, it says in the scriptures that only the Father knows when this event will take place. To sum things up, we do not know when Jesus will return. There have been dozens of false prophets throughout the centuries, some proclaiming to be Jesus himself, some proclaiming, as I said before, to be the Lord, Buddha, and Mohammed all at the same time. There are wars going on, but nothing even close to what World War II was like. As all of you know, or most of you probably know, um, practically every country in the world was fighting um, either against the Germans or against the Japanese uh, on all corners of the globe just about. Um, we know that anyone claiming to be Jesus will give himself away if he is wanting to fornicate or amass a large cache of weapons. We know the Lord Jesus does not desire things of the flesh and does not need weapons to defeat anyone, including Satan. Correct. We must hold tight the faith that we have in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We can believe on his promises. We can be assured that when he turns that key, that we will be going home. We can rest assured that everything in our Bibles is true. Yep. We should not worry about those things because after all the scriptures do say, the yoke of Jesus is light. 
if you turn to the book of Matthew, I don't know if this is on there or not. I don't have it highlighted on my page. But the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. If you want, I'll give you a moment to turn there. That's Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. It says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now that is very good advice. Learn the things of God. Take a closer walk with the Lord and let him put your mind at ease. You can take stock in the fact that you have everlasting life through the precious blood of our Lord Jesus. Talk to the Lord. I do. Praise him at every turn. Thank him for his tender mercy and abundance of grace he has shown towards you. Thank him for the good pleasure of his will. Praise him for saving you from before the foundation of the world. That that in and of itself is like hitting the lottery, if you ask me. Men throughout history have looked for a way to stop the aging process. Who needs it when through the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, he will guarantee you eternal life. By his stripes are ye healed. His blood has washed you white as snow. It is a completely awesome gift that God and the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ has given us. This gift takes a tremendous weight off of our shoulders and gives us a wonderful peace of mind knowing we have this gift of eternal life. Now, as all of you know, we've heard uh, pastor uh, and people preach from the word of God. We know it is God's truth. We know that um, anything that the Bible tells us, we can take stock in. We don't have to worry about it being some kind of guarantee that some Joe Schmo uh, hands out about a car or uh, you can take that to the bank. Many men have said many things and made promises. Um, You can look toward Washington and the north there and see how many promises have they broken or how many times have they told you, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then they turn around and after you voted for them, they could care less about you. The Lord Jesus Christ and his father, God, obviously care about the elect. Otherwise, why would have God given up his uh, only begotten son to save a world of sinners such as we? This is something that is, um, it's totally amazing to me. It's like, um, you know that somebody is bad. Uh, You know that they're prone to sin. You know that they're, um, they have fleshly ways, yet you give up your only begotten son to save these people. And it's something that you've done from before the foundation of the world. You knew that you were going to do these for these elect people. Um, I think it's a wonderful thing. Um, 
All of these things that uh, we read in the Bible and that we hear from Pastor Danny Wade, Miss Kay, uh, and some of the things that I've found myself in the Bible, um, they do take a weight off of your shoulders. Um, some people, I used to be afraid of death. Um, I used to be afraid of this or afraid of that. Um, but knowing, especially after Ian, uh, I said a prayer to uh, God uh, that he would spare us and that uh, perhaps the um, hurricane would go south of us because that's not supposed to be the uh, terrible part of the storm. In this case, it happened to be a pretty bad part of the storm, but God saw Tracy and I uh, through this storm, we spent, I think, two or three hours in a very bad part of the storm just outside the eye. We, uh, I went outside and witnessed something that I don't think I'll ever see again. Um, I had a, saw a video of it on uh, Facebook. It was um, things of storms, um, things that they can, uh, people have seen that are absolutely unbelievable. And a wall of water, I happened to go outside and see uh, what had we heard blow across the front of the house. Uh, and my uh, carport is on the south end of the house, and the wind at the time was coming from the north. And there was a blast of wind like I had never seen before. The rain was absolutely going sideways. It was completely white with water. <clears throat> and this lasted for about 30 to 45 seconds. And it was one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen in my lifetime. And our house doesn't have a leak in it. We didn't have... Anything happened to the roof, granted, we did have a new roof put on two years ago um, when I was looking for insurance. I think God played a part in that. Um, the next day, we uh, tried going north out of town, couldn't make it. Tried heading west out of town, couldn't do it. I knew that going south wasn't an option because my boss lives south of our store, and that was blocked off. So I thought, well... Only other shot is west. We made it all the way to the other coast. I managed to cash my check. I didn't get an opportunity to get any cash, so I picked up some cash. We got all of our supplies. I think we found everything but water, didn't we, hon? Um, we picked up um we did all, do all of our shopping on Thursday. Of course, the storm was on Wednesday, and everything in town here was devastated. Um, I believe Walmart opened up, but, of course, they were only accepting cash, which we didn't have at the time. But, um, I mean, I firmly believe that God got us through that storm and our house unscathed. Um, I told you that my generator wasn't working. Uh, I managed to get it running the day before the storm. Uh, actually, I've shut it off, and since the storm, I tried firing it up within two weeks of the storm. I can't get it running again, but God and his wonderful grace and his, uh, his mercy toward me, he got my gen I believe he helped me get my generator running and kept it running through those five days. I didn't shut it off once, but now that I don't need it anymore... It's not running. I find that rather ironic. And I thank God and I thank Jesus all the time for all of the wonderful things that they do for us. And I'd be willing to bet that you folks also thank him. Well, I appreciate your listening to